You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Half hour. Hello and welcome to Half Hour, an entertainment podcast through Two Worlds Entertainment. I'm Richie Grass, artistic director. And I'm Jeff Malone, executive director. Welcome to our Scoop Recap podcast for Friday, July 9th, 2021, where we recap the scoop on the theater and music industry news and events of the past week and some of the pieces of entertainment we've seen over the past week and every week it's slightly different sometimes it's trailers sometimes it's episodes and seasons of shows sometimes it's live shows so you get a little bit of everything every week we come here and so we kind of bounce back and forth as we did last week with a few lots of little things that we've seen this week and as the world's beginning to reopen and you know i feel like september is going to be the time where the live theater comes back and the shows come back um but television shows and more movies come out we're kind of in this summer like oh here's a quick trailer here's a quick TV show, here's another. So we're kind of recapping a lot of those things for you all. And some news events, too. So Mm -hmm. we have lots to talk about. We're going to dive right in. We're going to go right over to theater land today, talking about another Broadway show that is announced to come back to Broadway in a revival um, for September, which is Waitress the Musical. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah Bareilles wrote the music to that, and she was in it at times, along with other famous people. Um, and she is returning to star in it this fall in the revival of Waitress. So she's, it's actually going to run, it's a limited run. It's going to run September to January. She's going to play the leading role from September to November and then November, mid November to early January, which is basically the whole bulk of the holiday season. Um, it's not announced who's going to play the lead. And I'm assuming if they have an announced closing in January, they're going to put some big star in to help with holiday sales. Um, and we watched the She Used to Be Mine music video. Sarah Bareilles had released a music video of her singing the, the 11 o'clock number, She Used to Be Mine, which I think is the best song in the show, in my opinion. Um, but what do we think? What do you think about this show returning so soon? What do you think about her starring in it? What do you think of the piece in general? What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, is this the fastest revival to come back to Broadway? It might be. It might be. I wonder, actually... You know, well, it was or it had it closed before the pandemic. So the pandemic, let's remind, remember, the pandemic didn't close this show. It, it had closed, closed right? like two months before. It just could close right before. Because so. six is in that. Yeah, theater. and this and this will go into a new theater. Yeah. So, um, I think it's interesting that it's coming back so soon. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of diehard fans of the show. I think the show is good. I would, you know, it's not my favorite show. I want to go back and see it as many times as I know so many other people have seen it. But I think it's cool. Um, it's a cool story. We actually watched the movie before we went and yeah, saw the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, how are they going to turn this into a musical? And I, I think it worked. Um, I know people like Jordan Sparks went into it. Did Catherine McPhee go into uh-huh. it as well? And so well, some big names went in there. And Jesse Mueller is the original. Jesse she Mueller, was Tony nominated. Great yep. performance. Mm-hmm. And... I think um, they're definitely. I think they're going. They're warming this up for a big star to go in there. There yeah. has to be some reason why they're putting it back, or you know maybe they're just not touring it right away, and they're like, hey, mm. let's just go back and do a little quick sit down in New York City. But um, yeah, to go over to that the music video too. I had never seen that music video, so it was really cool. I really do like Sarah Bareilles' singing skills. I like her writing skills. I think she writes beautifully. And to see a music video like that, I think it's kind of cool to do that whole 
Broadway to pop scene. She's a pop star. She's writing pop music. She's writing a pop score. And how does she make a pop version for radio? And I think it works. I don't know if it really crossed over mm. to the pop world. But, um, yeah, it should be interesting to see. I also wonder if this is like, hey, revival category for Tonys. Or, like, is Sarah Bareilles going to be potential nomination? Because she was not in the original production. It was Jesse Mueller, as you just said. So. Yeah, I, part of me feels like the Tony Awards Committee won't go that way. There's mm-hmm. so many new things coming, and I think that it, it may not even need to go that way. Maybe. But I think... Um, it seems to be like a quick – like so many producers right now are trying to make money and trying to recoup some of their loss. Mm-hmm. So I think this is like a way to just say, hey, let's put a show back up that was – I don't I don't want to say easy to put on. But I mean a single unit set, mm-hmm. you know, a small cast. It's not a huge, huge – you know, a small orchestra. I think it's something that they can do in a relatively cheaper way. They can definitely make ticket sales with everyone returning. If, if it's not September, October, it'll definitely be November, December with the holidays. And then they close the show and they hopefully make some money out of it. I, I look at it as a money move. And Sarah Bareilles is a money move. It's, a, it's definitely a clear in and out money move. If it was really like – you know, if it was really about the artistic, they would have never closed it when they did. They would have never had it coming back this quickly and they would have never had it coming back for such a limited run. You're clearly only running it for the holidays. Right. And so, you're running it with Sarah Bareilles who like, hey, she's not on tour right now. So if you're a Sarah Bareilles fan, right, you go, go see, see her, her and waitress and, right, and, and that you'll might get, see the music that she wrote. And that might get a more of the tourists, the bridge and tunnelers, yeah. the more of the people into Broadway because it's, it's, a, it's a great money move for Broadway too because you got to get some names in Broadway to get people back into the I theater. already know someone that bought tickets and spent hundreds of dollars yeah. on it. So yeah. it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. It'll, yeah. Hey. I, my favorite part of the whole show was eating the pie. <laughs> because I liked the show, but I thought it was really cute that they sold the pies in them. It was when really, we could eat the pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make vegan pies. Yeah, That'd be yes. great. Um, anyway, all right, where are we going next? Well, we're going to go over to Popland and Big Red Machine, uh, a new-ish band um, with... That features Taylor Swift on a song. They just released a song, Renegade, last week. The album is not released. But this is uh, headed by Aaron Desner of The National, who helped Taylor on her Folklore album, her Evermore album, producing it, writing it, etc., etc. And they just released a song on Friday. It's an interesting song. It features Taylor Swift singing most of it. And background vocals by Justin Vernon, who's of Bon Iver, who also did two of the tracks with Taylor on one on folklore and one on evermore. So it's this little trio keeps happening and it's interesting to keep seeing it. And what I actually find more interesting is the title of the band, Big Red Machine. So Taylor was signed to Big Machine Records and her next album coming out is Red. There the next go. one that she's re-recording. So what are the odds that Big Red Machine yeah. Yeah. is the title yeah. of this band. Hey, well... Did you think? Yeah, I never thought <laughs> You know, so... And it's like... And the Renegade. So, like, what does the Renegade mean? And, you know, it's a it's a cute song. I wouldn't say it's the best thing out there. It's fun. It's quirky. The music video is interesting. It's a trippy ride. And, um, yeah, I was just like... I had to bring this up again because here we are again with Taylor and Aaron and Justin. And it's like... There we go. Yeah, it was okay. I wasn't hugely impressed with it. I thought the video was eh. I thought the song was eh. I think that we're in this like COVID slump of of, Evermore and Willow and all this stuff. And so – to me, it's like, okay, we have to crawl out of this, like, mood. Yeah. It's a, She's in this mood right now. It's like, let me re-record everything, and everything new I release is going to be mood. Great. But, like, we have to move forward with a positive, like, we need some shake it off. We need some 1989. <laughs> we need some 
upbeat. We need some pizzazz, some spark. And she's got that in her. Maybe that's coming one day. But if we're going to crawl out of this pandemic and have live theater and live concerts and live things mm-hmm. return, we can't be moody, moody, mood, mood anymore. Yeah, it's getting, um, a, it's little... getting a little boring to me, if you want me to be honest. I'm, I, I'm watching. I'm, I'm, I, I always still come back to the lyric. I always think that she's a really good lyricist more than anything. I actually think she's a better lyricist than a music writer and a singer. She's a great singer. She's a great music writer. But I'm really, really, really always impressed with her lyrics. I kind of compare it to like golden age Broadway lyricists. Mm. A lot of times on Broadway, you had a music, a, a, a composer and a lyricist, two different people. Not mm-hmm. always, but a lot of times there's two. And I was like, oh, there's one person just working on the words. And I'm like, oh, she could be like a Broadway lyricist. We do she always could... say, like, uh, when is the Taylor Swift musical? Yeah. Not Taylor Swift music musical. Yeah, but, but when like, is she writing when is a musical? she going to write yeah. music? Like how Sarah Bareilles just yeah, did for Waitress. Yeah, like, When is that Taylor Swift I mean, Swift she could totally coming? do music and lyrics. I just think her lyrics are really great. So, I, I, so in this song, I appreciated the lyrics quite a bit. Yeah. But the mood of it and this, like, breathy... It's this singing. indie pop tape. I'm, I'm like, well, we did it for 15 yeah. months and 16 months. So, girl, we, we love you. Let's go. You're going to be 32 years old soon. Let's go. Come on. Like, yeah, that's think, how I feel. I think everyone's wondering, like, what is she going to do? Is she going to release her 10th studio album soon? Mm-hmm. Or is she just going to release the catalog first? Because, hey, that might take a while yeah. before we yeah. get some real new was, Taylor Swift music. If I had to throw my two cents in, I feel like she should do both. She should kind of balance, like, new stuff with the old stuff. She can. She has the money and the time. But, yeah. but uh, I, you know, maybe it's going to be oversaturated Taylor market. So, yeah, but I feel like her fans don't really ever care. Yeah, true. You know. So, all right, cool. True. Thanks, Taylor. Um, so, another-ish pop thing that we did this week was we started watching the show um this is pop and it on is, netflix is it on netflix and we watched the first episode and we're wondering you know maybe we're going to do this each week we're going to take a different pop episode and we're going to talk about it because you know me i love pop and the first episode was called the boys to men effect and it kind of went down the history of boys to men the boy group from the 90s that really took off and crushed the charts um, so they went a little bit in the background, and this was like pre-Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, 98 Degrees, all of those boy bands that we think were the first to do it, but they were really the first, and they set the tone and scene for all of these boy bands to come in the future. And Boys to Men had some big hits, like Motown Philly, One Sweet Day, I'll Make Love to You. I mean, I think every one of us have heard I'll Make Love to You mm. for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Like, you know, the middle school dance. Sure, and, sure, sure. Uh, and the high school dance, yeah, too. Yeah, like, yeah. Every, get on the dance floor. It's a slow dance. Time. Right, right, <laughs> and right. And you're like right. 10 feet apart. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but it was, it was really cool to see how they started. They started in high school. They went to a performing arts school. Mm. Some of them didn't want to, but then they became friends and they put this group together. And I always look back at that and I'm like, wow, what if I went to a performing arts school like that where I could have worked with creatives in the music space and like came up with something like that? I didn't do that until college, Mm. but this was high school. And then they had such drive to get out and be a boy band. They, then they met and they didn't, they didn't take no for an answer. And these are high school kids. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And they they just, they were the first to kind of do certain things. They broke records. They broke Elvis's record on the charts. They crossed over from R&B into pop. And a lot of boy groups that, especially a black boy group, was not doing that. Mm. You know, you had to have a certain image 
to cross over to the church. And it was interesting that these preppy black boys really were the first to do that because it, it almost makes you think, like, why? Well, I almost, I, yeah, I learned quite a bit, and it'll be interesting to see more episodes of this documentary as we learn more about other groups. But I didn't know much about Boys to Men. Yeah. I didn't know that they were kind of the start of the boy brand. You know, but don't forget, though, you have the Drifters, you have the Temptations, you have the Shirelles, you have boy and girl groups of music history. It's not like they were the first boy group ever to sing. But we I have the Temptations for for, but I for a lot, you know. I mean, I don't but know it's a different genre. I don't know if that's considered pop, though. We're talking about someone that crossed over to the pop charts, one of the hardest charts, which is usually predominantly white. Oh, sure, and sure. A popular at the time. Yes. I mean, I, when you use the word popular out of context of pop, then yes, you have these. Yeah, popular the, music. The, like, know, Motown was popular well, music. Right. But it fell under the Motown category. But I always think, like, you know, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons and the Temptations. These were, like, a group of four or five or six men that's like, ooh, like, harmony yeah. and let's sing together. So it's like, yes, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take away what Boys to Men did. They were a new generation of pop music cutting the scene and 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 breaking through and, and paving the way for the 98 Degrees yeah. and the... And the um, uh, in sinks and the Backstreet Boys and the Spice Girls and all and all these group 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 group, group, group right and even further along into history you know as in the in the last we have One Direction I mean we've had groups you know in the last few years too so yes it but yeah I think I, it's more think, like from the music of the genre space so like if your yeah. music is getting put out under a certain genre and you cross over like Taylor Swift's a great example she was mm. in the country country genre mm. she eventually had so many album sales, et cetera, that made that song, I think it was probably um, Teardrops on My Guitar. It was uh-huh. like one of the first ones to start crossing over into the pop world. It's a country song that crossed over to the pop. And, and many country stars have done that in the past. Yeah. You know, like you have people like Faith Hill and Shania Twain. But what Boyz II Men did was the same thing. They had an R&B sound yeah. that crossed over to the pop. And, and that's they a kind, big deal. Yeah, and they kind of have, they, they talk about it on the show because it's like, was it their clean cut image? Was it their sultry, you know, sexy sound mm. that made it do it? And people loved it. Yeah. But then it was mimicked. Mm. It was mimicked by white boy groups. You know, they were like, hey, 98 degrees, we want you to sound like boys to men and backstreet boys. And you watch it, the music videos were almost identical. And growing up, I never even knew that, mm. you know, because we were probably tail end of boys to men as we were coming of age where in sync and backstreet boys were thrown into our face yeah yeah, and it was you know cool and they had nick lachey from 98 degrees featured in here and he basically even said it they were like act like boys to men right and they did and it was like wow so i'm i'm really cool it's it's cool to see and i i love you seeing this too because this is like the pop world that i love yeah that i'm watching a lot about sure artists and how you make a machine out of a group right and it's very inspiring and it would be great to see the documentary unfold moving forward and where we go next with it as we move through the pop history um but yes very cool stuff the boys to men um effect as it's called it is is very cool i was very (laughs) impressed so yes nice 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 um, good. Well, speaking of learning from the past and Ooh. moving forward to the future and things like that and, and connecting those dots, we are going back to theater here. With um, It was announced this week that Guys and Dolls is a classic Golden Age Broadway musical, won a bunch of Tony Awards in the 1950s. Um, and it um, was made into a huge, huge Hollywood film. 
um, in 1955, and it starred Marlon Brando, Gene Simmons, Frank Sinatra, and Vivian Blaine, all powerhouse people. Mm -hmm. And the film was a really, really great, a big, 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 um, big film for the time. And uh, it was a classic. And so it was just announced this week that Bill Condon, who directed the Dreamgirls movie and the Beauty and the Beast live action remake movie, will be directing the Guys and Dolls remake film. Okay. They're going to redo the film. They're going to redo the classic Golden Age movie musical film. Um, and yeah, so what we so I've seen this movie. I was in a production of this in high school, Nicely Nicely Johnson, and um, had a really <laughs> I, I love the score. I think I think the, it's a classic. There's some great dance numbers. It is also very dated. It is also really. It's gendered and sexist in a way of like guys do this and girls do that. Mm -hmm. Guys, and they don't even call them girls in this. They call them dolls, right? So it's this very like, yeah. it's a dated in terms of that. There's some great comedy though, um, and so I know you've never seen the movie, so we watched it. We watched mm -hmm. over. We watched it to kind of talk. Not that we're going to spend the whole time talking about guys and dolls, but since this is in the news now, we're like, well, let's talk about this for a second. You know, we've seen old movies remade. It works sometimes. It doesn't work sometimes. Um, before I ask your opinion, I mean, my thoughts are you took a Golden Age Broadway show and you brought it to Hollywood and you put stars in it. But Frank Sinatra was a star who could sing. Mm -hmm. And 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 Marlon Brando was singing in this film. And everyone remembers Marlon Brando like, like Godfather, like later on, and like Streetcar Named Desire and things like that. But this was a big film for him too. Vivian Blaine and Gene Simmons, classic ingenue performers. And the dancing screen. So the spectacle of the film was there. So part of me sits here and says... Why? Yeah. Why, 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 why? Like, let it sit there. Mm -hmm. But part of me is like, no, if we can maybe, if we can really freshen this up and maybe fix some of the book a little bit to be a little less like, guys do this, girls do that. Girls want to get married. Guys don't want to get married. Yeah, that whole thing. And But we, if we can clean that up a little bit, but keep the flair and the flavor of some of those gorgeous, like, take back your mink. What a beautiful song. And then, oh, no, when my love comes along. Like, some of those ballads are gorgeous. So... I'm curious to know, now you've seen the old film, I, I know maybe you don't know the show too well, what do you think of them bringing it, this to the modern age, in the modern day? Maybe still setting it in the time period, but just doing a fresh retake on it. I think the only way that this is going to work is if it's going to have the Chicago effect. Okay. So, right now, I agree with you. Why? Yeah, because, well, no, I'm because not saying it's so, not why, Because but... it's so dated, and yeah. it is not a bad move. Yeah, yeah. It, it works for its time. It's campy. It's definitely sexist, but, like, for me, it's like, hmm, they must really be thinking about changing this movie. And if it gives it the Chicago effect, mm. because Chicago on Broadway was this, what, camp and Oh, yeah, but and very successful in the 70s, but it took them... 30 years to make a film out of it, you know, which but is... But it was a completely different film. Oh, yeah. Some people film, see the film and they're like, wow, Yeah, well, when they amazing. go see it on and Broadway... And on Broadway, I'm like, what was the, the Broadway, that? it's all the vaudevillian style, and the you film know, is more serious plot. It's so, super serious. But, like, and now you're dealing with gambling and... Yeah, you know, a lot of that. And a lot of that stuff is not funny anymore yeah. so how do you either keep the funny camp or do you just strip it away i think you keep the funny camp it's based on those those campy cartoony kind of Maybe. 1920s 30s and 40s you know it's interesting because i think um well my other thing is you have they're gonna have to put stars in it like they did in the 50s but they're gonna have to put stars in it that sing 
You have to have leading men, leading women. These four people carry the whole show. This and, and you'll and listen. We see movie musicals all the time. It's clearly something that people love and see. We saw Cats last year. We had In the Heights this year. We have West Side Story. And here's another thing. West Side Story is another Streets of New York 50s golden age musical. And yet, for some reason, that one is so rooted in some serious, beautiful storytelling that they can remake and redo. With Guys and Dolls, it's this camp, camp, camp. And there's romance, and it's beautiful at times, too. But it's like we have to – I just feel like if a movie's going to come out, you need stars that can sing, Mm -hmm. and you need to keep it fresh. You need to keep the fresh feeling of it and keep the dance numbers in it and have fun with it. But I think, though, the real question of today is, does camp still work? Camp still works well. Mm, that's a, maybe that's another podcast episode because I could talk about camp for a long time. I mean, we could d- look at how camp has changed in drag culture. Yeah, look at how camp has. Ch- I mean, people. I don't think people appreciate. You have to be able to strip your own thoughts about something mm, for camp. Mm. Well, I think camp works for guys and dolls and can work in a film if, for one split second, you don't make the woman for the thirty millionth time be begging to get married. Like the <laughs> camp is cute when you're like, come on. Let's get married. And he's like, I don't know. You want to get married tonight? No, come on. As opposed to like the whole movie, this poor woman just wants to get married. And it's like, oh my God. And then at the end, they do. And is that moment at the end where they're like, he's like, she's like, uh, Vivian Blaine's like to Frank Sinatra, you want to get married, right? And he's like, Silent. We're at the end of the movie, and yeah. I know it's funny, but we're pulling on it's and the, funny, and the person know. doing the the marriage is like he has to say it. He has to. I do. I do. Okay, guys and yeah. dolls, like you know. I so. just think our generations are a little bit different. And speaking yeah. of our generation, oh well, yes, we're moving because we're going to move on. Yes, I know. Guys, <laughs> no, well, let's see what happens well, with the casting yes, of that, we'll but see, we'll talk but, about that more. But yeah, it was a cool, interesting uh, news topic this week. So. Speaking of the war generation, we actually just finished the series Generation Season on one, uh, HBO. And all I can say is this show was amazing. Mm. Okay. I, from everything, people may have a different opinion than me. I don't care. This show's amazing. It's definitely in the, one of the top show, greatest shows of all time for me from the direction, mm. from the acting, from the portrayal of Gen Z and the music in this yeah. show. Yeah. And the cinematography. And, yes, the cinematography. Everything was done so right. And I don't want to spoil the show too much because I think everyone really should just go and watch it. But I have never seen a show directed so well. Mm. You are taken in to this show and you are taken in from the perspective of each kid that's in this show. And sometimes you you actually feel like you're you're them. And... From the way they tie in music, and I love, 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 love a good soundtrack to a show. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's times when they're in a car and the music's playing, and when a mood changes, the song changes, and yeah. this changes, and you're just taking on a whole trip between this. But um, I, what did you, what did you, I think I'm going on. Yeah, I know. I think it's really great. I think it's, Great storytelling, great direction, great cinematography. I I have seen men. We've seen since the eighties, like the high school kid, yeah. like Breakfast at Tiffany's, right? Oh, oh my god, not Breakfast. breakfast. What am I talking about? Oh my god, <laughs> no, you're breakfast. right. Like, not no. Breakfast. <laughs> what a weird phrase. Kid like, is in there. No, 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 I love Breakfast. Maybe I'll do a podcast of Breakfast at Tiffany. I love that movie. Breakfast Club. The Breakfast. Okay, club. sorry. I don't know where no. my brain is. Breakfast Club, and you see the moody kids, and the adults don't understand them, and we've seen that for years now. But for some reason, this show, I don't get the vibe that, ugh, these kids are whiny 
or oh, I don't understand them, or or oh, it's cheesy Disney high school kids, or yeah. I never get the vibe at all. I get the vibe that like they're dealing with problems that adults are dealing with, and I wonder if that's a commentary on the Gen Z generation. Have we hit this new generation where being a kid ends earlier, and your problems? hit you earlier in life. I mean, these are also kids that are in like very interesting situations. They live in major city. They're kind of given so much more freedom than the average suburban kid at 15, 16 years yeah. old. And they're dealing with pregnancy and they're dealing with um, sexual identity and they're dealing with like parental problems. And I'm like, but I never got the vibe that it was like, mm, this is not working. I was like, oh no, they're, and then these actors, I'm like, how old are these actors? Like, they're so, they're better than some older actors mm. I've seen. I'm really impressed. And then one more thing I'll say, it's amazing to see the parents. We don't see all the parents, but no. we, we we mainly see the main duo parents. Yeah. Um, and their problems are really similar to their kids' problems yeah. and vice versa. And to me, it's like, oh, is that a commentary on like, you have more in common with your kids than you think. Yeah, I think there's something there, underlying you know, it. Like, the show really starts out from the perspective of the kids. Yeah, yeah. And you stays nev- there You never really go from the perspective of the adult. Mm-hmm. And everything is inward facing outward, if that makes sense. Yeah. You're never watching the show f- from like, like it's a, a stage. You're more watching it from behind the eyes which I love and I love feeling. It's like, how is that person feeling in their emotions right now? Because it's triggering me and watching them do it is triggering. But slowly through the arc of the show, we we go slowly into how the parents are affecting the kids' lives. Yeah. Or how the kids are affecting the or parents' lives. Or how the kids lives. are taking it. You yes. see these close-up camera shots, especially, and I don't, well, you see it if you, I don't want to ruin anything, but when, um, one of the boys is FaceTiming his mom and the camera is on him as he's reacting to finding out that his mom knows something. And you're seeing the reaction yeah. of these kids or when she's um, – I'm so bad with the names. When um, one of the girls is – she's upset with her dad and then she's seeing her house kind of get destroyed. In the, and she's like – and you're seeing what the kids are going through when things are happening to them. And I think yes. that's really great cinematography. I think you were talking about Riley. There's yeah, yeah, a, There's yeah, an yeah. episode about – a real topic here about anxiety in – Kids today, but anxiety in everyone, because I think people just haven't dealt with the word anxiety Mm -hmm. in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I know many adults that deal with anxiety right now and they don't want to admit it. But like you watch how anxiety literally attacks this girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To where she breaks down on the floor and has an attack. Yeah. And you're like, what's happening? It was giving me anxiety watching this episode. And it's interesting because the show has not been canceled, but the show has also not yet been renewed for season two. And I was like, well, we'll see how this ends. But then when you see the major cliffhanger at the end, you're like, we have to This needs a season two. And I I will reach out to this uh, cast and say, please, 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 please. Yeah, it was really great. I'm going to tell everyone to watch this show. It was also really smart for them. I'm assuming they filmed all 16 episodes at once. It was smart for them to release eight in the winter and then take the spring break and then release eight in the summer. Because it kind of elongated their show a little bit. I kind of liked that. That's like how TV does it. Remember yeah, they when take a we break used break. to like have stuff in the fall, and then they would have yeah, a break over the holidays, holidays and then they would yeah. come back. And one last thing yeah. we would have to say about the direction: that last episode, when you 
you're almost doing a single shot throughout the I, whole I think almost episode. Following them and knowing that people have to make it's kind of like doing theater. Yes. Like you, you don't get a break. Like you have to know when to enter, when to exit, where the camera is, where am I coming from? It's a part. It was like you're at a party. How many times you've been in the party and you're hopping from one person there? Go to the bathroom, come yeah. back, talk to this person, go get a drink, go get a bite to eat. Go. That's a that's a live it was moment. A moment. It, it was, was such a, moment. a moment. It was really great. I'm a big, 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 big fan. We so need more people out. to talk about this. Show. I know <laughs> it's called Generation, and it's on HBO Max. It might be also be on regular HBO yeah. too, but we are watching on HBO Max. So, all right. Last but not least, as we wrap up here, we're heading over to our recap on the latest episode that came out last night of RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars season six, episode four, mm. which was the um, halftime show performance where all the Contestants played different uh, people and from past halftime shows. From, from past halftime shows, yes. right? A famous. They were playing famous celebrities, um, and it was a lip sync challenge and a dancing challenge. They all did a great job. I thought it was. I think this is a great cast. This cast is amazing. Everyone's really talented and really diverse. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, even RuPaul was like, "You guys are all stars." Yeah, yeah. I think that's making the judging even tougher, and I think it's making us as viewers at home be like. Yeah. Why did that person end at the top and that person end up? But, but it's like, really, though, they're also good. It's hard to pick who is in the bottom. It, I, it is. And 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 so, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. I think um, my top three favorites were Jan playing Lady Gaga, who won the whole challenge. We're really happy for her because I know that was a big thing when, in her season yeah, with the yeah. Madonna thing. Um, Trinity as Beyonce was like spot Trinity on. Trinity was iconic. I, and no, shade, no shade to Jan, but I don't... I don't know. Yeah, I think Trinity, Trinity, I know. Trinity blew that I one know. out of the water. And even her Trinity's look, that was gorgeous. Yeah, I know. And I will do a special shout out. I didn't get a ton of airtime, but I did obviously appreciate my Pandora box Carol Channing <laughs> moment. Because like you always need some theater camp. And fun fact, yes, Carol Channing did the first halftime show of any yeah. Super Bowl ever. Let's not forget, may she rest in peace. Carol Channing, a, a, a Broadway icon. But um, So I thought that was cool too. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the season unfolding. I'm really liking what's happening. Um, um, I wonder, I don't know who's going to win. I don't know. I mean, it's tight. There's some really yeah, there great some people. Great, I, and this one I love today. They really tied in the, the pop stars for the performances. So it was a great pop moment. Yeah. And they used a good lip sync song at the end. Yes, <laughs> we had yes. a Britney Spears womanizer song. So yeah. finally, RuPaul put a good yeah. lip sync yeah. song back on there the stage. Go. But uh, one disagreement that I definitely had was... Um, Someone that should not have been in the top. <laughs> Miss, okay. Miss Eureka. Oh, yeah. That was okay of a performance. Uh, her yeah. wig was falling off yeah. in that Madonna number. Really I know, rude. I know. Really rude. It's, I know. And oh. those chaps, she... It looked like the same thing Ginger wore uh, two two weeks ago, and Ginger was red for it. I'm like... But then we also have to do a shout-out because... Well, I did love Ginger's final look. That was gorgeous. Oh, Ginger was gorgeous. Yeah, but I will also say Scar... I have to do my shout-out to Scarlett Scarlett. because that is a look, too. She's got looks for days. (laughs) That look was fabulous. And her Katy Perry was funny. I know. She's talented. She might go pretty far. Uh, She... Okay, she's a great example of bringing new camp Mm -hmm. to the show. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's pretty camp because she did camp with the bubbles in the beginning. Right. And she did camp... Right. As Katy Perry. Right. Come on, bring that. So, So, anyway. Up. Oh, it's time. Yeah. Ding dong. We ding. almost missed the, bell. the bells. Are gonna chime. I know we gotta get to places. <laughs> we almost missed the bell. Our half hour. Um, we thank you all so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed our podcast episode today. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Music. Leave us a review if you love what you heard today. And we also want you to join in on our conversation. Engage with us. Head over to our Instagram at Two Worlds End. That's at T W O W O R L D S E N T. And comment on this latest podcast. 
on this post about this latest podcast episode because we love to hear from you. Yes. Uh, more things coming in the future weeks. So we thank you so much for checking this out. Until next time, I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Signing off for now. Bye. Ta-ta. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.